0: Big and built, muscular, uh, just the kind of person to put fear into the hearts of 6th, 7th, and 8th graders. Uh, And he had a way of showing up wherever there was trouble. I was coming out of English class in 7th grade, and there were two boys in the hall who were fighting. Now, these are 7th grade boys, and so they really don't know how to fight. There was a lot of kind of, you know, they they were trying to do what they had seen on TV, and they they weren't very good at it. but I remember there was this blur that came by me, it was Mr. Sampson, and he, you don't think you can do this today, I don't think you can do this today, but he grabbed one of the boys with one hand by the shirt collar, and he grabbed the other boy with his other hand by the shirt collar, and he slammed him up against the lockers, and he said, what do you think you're doing? And I said, Nothing. And the boys were just kind of wide-eyed. It's like, oh, we didn't know this was going to happen when we got into a fight. And I remember Mr. Sampson saying, if I ever catch you two boys fighting like this again, you're going to wish you had never been born. And he let them go. And as far as I know, the rest of my school career, those two guys never fought again because Mr. Sampson put the fear of God into them. Uh, So I just want to ask you this simple question. Was Mr. Sampson a peace lover, a peacekeeper? We're a peacemaker. Well, let's get clear. A peace lover is someone who loves peace. But here's what I have observed. Most people are peace lovers. They just don't want to do the work of making peace. They think, okay, I love peace, but it's somebody else's job to make peace. Uh, By the way, you, you see this dynamic a lot in couples, right? You know, hey, we've got tension and as soon as you realize you're wrong and come and apologize to me, we'll get along fine. Okay, that's a peace level. Uh, a peacekeeper some of you have been peacekeepers in places like Iraq and Afghanistan, and I've noticed that peacekeepers wind up being everybody's enemy, and they get shot at by both sides. Peacemakers actually enter in to the conflict. They are not afraid of running toward the mess. And they begin to do the things that make for peace. So today we begin a series called Peacemaker, and we're gonna look at four stories over the next four weeks about Jesus and his identity as a peacemaker. But we're not just gonna look at Jesus, we're also going to look at what it means for us as Christians, us as Jesus followers, what it means for us to be like Jesus. Because we believe the more like Jesus you are, the better your life will be. The more like Jesus you are, the better your life will be. Now, the dirty little secret is a lot of Christians struggle to believe this. We have been very much captured by our world, me too, me too, I'll own this, that sometimes I think if I had more money, my life would be better. If I had a newer truck, my life would be better If I had somebody to clean my house, my life would be better. Does this sound familiar? We we can begin to think if I had this externally, my life would be better. But the the life Jesus wants us to live is something that happens internally and then gets expressed externally. So we're going to look at the teachings of Jesus about how to be a peacemaker. And this applies to us. If you have a Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. This is the Sermon on the Mount. As you probably know, the Sermon on the Mount begins with what we call the Beatitudes, or the blessings, where Jesus says, blessed are the poor, blessed are the meek. And then in verse 9, he says something that you probably have heard before, but we're really going to dive in and figure out what this means. And he says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. Now, this is so simple, and it's just one verse. So let's say it together. Can you say it together and say it energized like, you, like you've had coffee? So let's say it together. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. This side wins. It's a lot, lot more on this side than this side. You guys got to step up your game for the next time we do this. All right, so let's break this down. Start with the word blessed. What does that mean? It is the Greek word uh, Macario, which sounds a little bit like mic- macaroni, and it's not macaroni, but it means to be happy. When <laughs> my grandson gets macaroni, he's happy. It's actually used to describe how the Greek gods felt about living on Mount Olympus they were happy. We've tried to kind of holyize this word and call it blessed, really means happy. The next key word is peacemakers. These are people who do the work of pieces. They approach every day as a workshop for peace and they say, how can I make peace today? Then there's the word called. It actually means to name something. So in the ancient Near East, your name spoke about your character. Uh, my name is Clay, no surprise. My brother says it meant, it described my character perfectly because frankly, I was mud to him. Oh, you had the same kind of brother, right? Okay. So, so so what you're called is important. What does it mean then if you are happy, if you're a peacemaker, because then people are going to name you a child of God. Now the, the new NIV trying to be Uh, the NIV, the New International Version, trying to be inclusive gives us the word children, but it really means son. And that's important because in the ancient Near East, sons are expected to respect their dad, do what your dad tells them to do, and have the same values as their father. That's why the story of the prodigal son was so startling to Jesus' hearers. Because the prodigal son, the one who went away, he, he was not obeying his dad. He wasn't listening to his dad. He didn't have the values of his dad. But here's the interesting thing in the story. The older son didn't have those things either. I mean, he was there. He would do the things his dad said. He didn't have the values of his dad. So to really be a peacemaker means people are going to look at you and say, hey, you are like God. You're like Jesus. So we can translate this, happy are the peace doers for they will be named the sons of God. Now, let me ask you this. Was Jesus a peace lover, a peace keeper, or a peace doer? I think he was a peace doer. He was a peacemaker. That's why people could look at him and say, hey, he's the son of God. And there are three ways that Jesus was a peacemaker and still is. So the first way, you might want to write this down, jesus makes peace between us and our heavenly father this was his primary mission paul described it this way in colossians 1 verses 19 through 20 for god was pleased to have all his fullness in other words all of who god is dwell in him jesus and through him through jesus To reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Jesus is unique. He is fully God. He is fully man. And it takes someone that unique to heal the gap between God and people. Now, we don't think like this, right? Because most of us think of ourselves as good people. We are good people. We're not like bad people who live in Hampton, South Carolina, and are lawyers, right? We're good people. But here's why that's not true. If you look closely at your life, isn't it true that you can't even keep your own standard of good? Let let me prove this to you. How many of you think it's a bad thing to lose your temper? How many of you lost your temper? See, we can't even keep our own standard of goodness. That's sin. We fall short. And so sin separates us. Okay, you all know I recently had knee surgery. That's why I'm sitting instead of standing. standing. Here's what I, I see. I see a scar. Thankfully, I wasn't awake when it got there. But they had to split open... My skin, oh, I see some of you going, but they had to split open my skin and then they had to peel back the muscles and they had to take a saw and cut out my old knee. Aren't you glad you came to church to learn all this today? (laughs) Then they had to put in the new knee and then somebody had to bring the muscle and the skin back together. Thankfully, I had a skilled surgeon who did it. Jesus is a skilled surgeon for your soul. He is the one who knows how to reconcile you with God. Who can forgive, wipe away your sin and restore a relationship with your heavenly father so that you no longer have to live without hope. You don't have to despair about death. Your eternal security is taken care of. You can now have a relationship with your heavenly father. Now see, 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 we're so used to this. We don't even realize how amazing that is because none of you just sort of fell out and went, that is amazing, amen, hallelujah. But stop and ponder this. The God of the universe cares about you so much. He paid the price for you to come to him to bring you and he together. That's how much he loves you. this is what Jesus does. He makes peace between us and our heavenly father. Now, some of you may say, well, I don't feel that. Okay. You may not feel it because something's blocking it or you may not feel it because you've never actually established a relationship with your heavenly father. You can know about him. You can go to church. You can do religious things. That doesn't mean you have a relationship with God. To have a relationship, you have to have a beginning. Every relationship has a beginning. How do you begin your relationship with God? A sincere prayer that goes something like this. When you pray, Heavenly Father, I have sinned, that's admitting reality, I fall short of my own standards of goodness. Please forgive me, and through the power of Jesus, I want to be your child and follow Jesus all my life. You don't have to use those exact words, but it is this intent to establish that relationship with God. Essentially, you're saying, God, I want to be brought back together to you. That's what Jesus does. He comes to bring peace between us and our Heavenly Father. Now, the second way that Jesus brings peace, Jesus brings peace to our souls. He brings peace to our souls. So the memory verse that we have for this year is John 14, 27. I want us to say it together. It really describes this. And I just want to remind this side that they outdid you last time. Okay? So even if, if you're at Bacala, you're at Bishopville, you're watching online, let's all say it together and let's see which side is loudest. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. You know, they won this time. Because you were Christian enough to let them have some peace to win. So really good, guys. I appreciate that. Okay, so what what is Jesus saying? He's saying it is not his will. It's not his purpose. It's not his intention for your life to be filled with turmoil. Jesus doesn't want you to live this way. Now, how does this actually work? Well, let's go back to the diagram of the soul that we get from Dallas Willard, the Christian philosopher, kind of run you through it real quick. You remember your heart or your will is at the center. That's where you make decisions. The next band out is your mind where you have thoughts and feelings. Next band out is your body. And then the last band out is your relationships. Now, let's uh, just see if this works. Anybody ever have turmoil in a relationship? Okay. If you've ever had turmoil in a relationship... Does it affect your body? Oh, yeah, you get kind of this this weird feeling in your stomach. It's kind of queasy. You get that acid feeling. If you have turmoil in a relationship, does it affect your mind, the way you think and the way you feel? Anybody ever have their thoughts just going up in a loop? Anybody ever just have this feeling because you're in turmoil in a relationship? Sometimes you're angry or sometimes it's like you're just sad because you have turmoil. And then anybody ever make decisions about a relationship because you have turmoil in the relationship. Like, I'm going to try harder with this person or I'm going to quit trying with this person. You see how just one aspect of your soul being disturbed or not at peace can bring disturbance to every part of your soul. And Jesus does not want you to live that way. So what do you need to do? You need to learn to be like Jesus. Observe him. This is why I encourage you to read your Bible. You need to pray. You need to talk to him. So when you begin to feel a sense of not peace in a relationship, for example, you might go and say, okay, Heavenly Father, I I don't feel peace here. I need the peace of Jesus to guide me so I'll make good decisions. And I, I just want to reassure you. There is no crisis you will face that Jesus has not already faced. What you think about it? Jesus, because he has been in existence since the beginning of time, has seen every crisis that that can ever happen in a human life. Whatever you're going through, he gets, and it really doesn't surprise you. So learn from him. There was a factory that was burning down. Uh, The factory owner came saw it was burning down, asked, is everybody out okay? Was assured that everybody got out. And then he just calmly watched it burn while the firefighters tried to limit the damage. And his factory foreman came up to him and said, you don't seem upset. You seem so calm. And the factory owner said, well, when I was five years old, I watched my father's factory at this spot burn down too. And I saw how my father reacted. And my father kept his calm. And then he began to build back. And I learned from my father how to respond. So I'm sitting here just trying to remember, what did my father do? Because that's what I want to do. Now listen to me, listen to me. The greatest legacy you can leave your kids is a model of how Jesus brings peace in the middle of turmoil. Because I guarantee you, your kids are going to have turmoil. I wish, I wish I could take my grandson and put him in a Ziploc bag. I'd punch air holes in it. I just, I, he, he's going to face a tough world. There's going to be turmoil. There's going to be strife. I don't want him to have to go through that. But all the wishing that he wouldn't go through that is not going to change the fact that he is. So I've got to figure out a way to show him and my grown children how to find peace in the middle of turmoil. I won't say I'm very good at it, but I've got to try. Okay, so Jesus brings us peace. By making peace with God, bringing peace to our soul. Here's the third way Jesus brings peace to groups at war. That's how he's a peacemaker. Ephesians chapter 2, the last part of verse 15 through verse 17 says, His, that is Jesus's purpose, was to create in himself one new humanity out of two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. Now we talked all last month about how to love people different than us. Because in the early church and in the church at Ephesus, just like the church at Rome, which we talked about, there were non-Jews and there were Jews. The Jews had a way of saying, hey, we're a little more superior. We've got a better heritage. You guys are the people who are, are new so you're not as good as us. Pause, have you ever been to a church where there was a group of people who judged and said, you're not as good as us? Or, you don't meet our expectations. Oh folks, can we just acknowledge that happens in churches? And can we acknowledge it's not supposed to? Because Jesus said, I've come so that there will only be one group, one group. And what's that one group? People who've messed up their lives. Here's the good news, that's everybody. And so there's no spiritual superiority, no judgment that should go on in God's church. We are to be one. And what Jesus does is he says, okay, now you're going to be my children. All your heritage, all your baggage counts for zip. Because you've got to accept salvation just like the guy, just like the gal who's really, really screwed up their life, even if you have been one of the good kids. Now, Jesus wants there to be peace in his church. He also wants there to be peace in communities. Can I just get messy for a minute? You really think Jesus looks at black people and white people and says, ooh, they're, they're not really the same. This group's better than the other group. You think Jesus thinks like that? No, he doesn't. All right. Think about any group you want to think about. Do you think Jesus looks at people who really struggle and says, okay, you know, you you guys just, you're not quite good enough to make it into my church. Of course he doesn't. And so when we start to move out in the community, we've got to be sure and say, hey, we don't care what the color of skin you have. We don't care, you know, what you're struggling with. Jesus loves you. So we do too. And Jesus also wants to bring peace among nations. This is one of the reasons you need to read the back part of the Old Testament, which we usually get bogged down in because it's so historical and it sounds so judgmental, but it's the record of the prophets coming to God's people saying, God wants there to be peace among nations. And I believe God is working for peace among nations right now. The trouble is we can't see it. We can't, but that doesn't mean God's not at work. Do you not think God is working in Vladimir Putin's life? Now, is he listening? Doesn't seem to be. That doesn't mean that God's not at work. And that God is not arranging things on his own time and his own way for there to be peace. Now, is peace possible? Well, you know, human history shows there's a lot of war. But that's why we live as people of hope. Because Jesus promises that one day he will return. And he will come as the king of peace. And he will come to bring peace to all the nations and to all the peoples. And he will reign forevermore. And there will be peace on earth. So Jesus is the true son of God. And he brings us peace with god peace in our souls and peace to this troubled world now remember we're supposed to be like him if we're christians if you're not a christian hey this is optional for you it'll actually bring you greater happiness if you're like jesus but i'll I'll come to that in a minute when we are peace doers people understand who god really is when we're peace doers They really understand who God is. When we try to force peace, doesn't work, doesn't work. One of the darkest periods in church history happened in the Crusades in the Middle Ages. I don't know if you remember this from school. But this is when European rulers gathered armies and they forcibly made Jews and Muslims convert to Christianity. They threatened the Jews, if you don't convert to Christianity, we will kill your children. Now, there's a powerful evangelism tool. They did the same thing with the Muslims. We will kill you if you don't convert to Christianity. They went, they took the Holy Land sites. Um, They were never able to hold it. because. Can can we just acknowledge when you force people to believe something, they will only believe it as long as force continues to be applied. And so what happened when the Crusaders left? The Muslims went right back to being Muslims. The Jewish conversions didn't stick because they were not real. You cannot force someone to love God. So let's not make the same mistake. Let's be peacemakers. How do we do this? Three quick things, real quick. Number one, share our story. Share our story. Uh, You're an expert at your own story. And there's somebody out there who needs to hear your story. Now, maybe you're like me, and you don't have a very dramatic story of how Jesus brought you peace. My story is not I was face down in a gutter, passed out from drugs and alcohol, and then Jesus saved me and brought me peace. That's not my story. My story is I grew up in church. I've been in church my whole life. I've loved Jesus ever since I heard about him. in uh, when I was in four-year-old kindergarten class and Jesus was associated with sugar cookies, that is a powerful bonding agent. My story is Jesus has brought me peace when I was at the end of my rope. Jesus has brought me peace in a way to live. Jesus has given me peace because he gave me a purpose. And Jesus brings me peace because I know he holds my future. That's my story. Somebody needs to hear your story. So go share it. Here's the second thing we can do to be peacemakers. We can go serve. Uh, There are people who... They, they get down, and they need help. So we can serve. We can serve. Um, and this is part of what we do. We're building a, a Habitat for Humanity house for a woman named Lakeisha Jones. She's a single mom. She has to drive 45 minutes to work every day when she gets her Habitat house, which is almost done. She will drive five minutes to work. Do you think that's going to make our life better? Hey, and you as a church help that happen. You ought to feel good about that. We went out and we served. I think about our helps ministry. They're out there in the lobby today and they will show you how to actually screw something down. It's not that hard. And and I see some of the before pictures where people are living in these houses and there's steps and they're not able to get in and out because it has physical limitations. And by the end of the day, they've got a ramp. And they now can get out and they can have easier access to transportation. They have their life opened up because of the helps ministry. I think about our quilt ministry. It's not a bunch of ladies sitting around sewing and gossiping. Much. <laughs> no, I don't think they gossip at all. But you know what? These ladies, they make quilts. They give the babies that nobody else really wants it to me. they give them quilts. They make sure that senior adults that are kind of left alone in a nursing home have quilts. It's a tangible expression of love. I I think about our adult volunteers in student ministry. You know, they say the number one factor in a kid staying attached to Jesus when they go away from high school is that there has been an adult they could talk about their faith with. I think about the the, the adults that work with our, our, our children. And listen, we're, we're putting a greater and greater burden on children today than we ever have before. I mean, we hand kids a, a smartphone at seven or eight years old, and we say, here, entertain yourself. And they find stuff to entertain themselves, and it's not all good. It's not all healthy. We're putting that on our children younger and younger and younger. And so I thank God for for people who will come along and serve kids and and just reinforce them and say, no, there's some good news, there is Jesus, and he's going to show you a different way to live. You know, our goal should be to live so that people look at us and say, what a good God there must be to make someone like him or someone like her. Anybody say that about you? If you're a peacemaker, they do. You're being named a child of God. Right, one last way, one last way that we can be peacemakers, we can stand. We can stand. Now, there are a lot of Christian preachers and teachers right now who are saying, we need to take a stand. Okay. What they are meaning is, you need to get involved in politics, and your politics should agree with my politics, and take a stand politically. You, Jesus actually faced this. Did you remember? Somebody asked him, should we pay taxes to Caesar. And what did he say? Yeah, bring me a coin. Whose name is on it? Whose likeness is on it? Caesar's. Well, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Give to God what belongs to God. I love Jesus is so smart. (laughs) I, I just want to digress for a minute. One of our problems is sometimes we think Jesus is love, and that's all he is. He is love, but let me tell you, he's also smarter than you. So listen to him. Okay. End of digression. What does Jesus want us to stand for? You remember Galatians 5? The fruit of the Spirit? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. What would happen if we took a stand for those things? Think the world would stand up and pay attention? Because if we don't take a stand for love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control, who is? Who is? And do you know why the world doesn't listen to us on moral issues? You wonder why the world doesn't listen to us about why life matters and about why we should love one another? Because they don't see us doing it. And so we have become one more voice in the political spectrum going, wop, 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 wop. Instead of saying, we're going to actually stand for love, we're going to show you how to love people different than you. We're going to show you how to have joy when you don't feel like it. We're going to show you how to have peace from Jesus so that your life is in turmoil. I think if we really could live that, the doors would be busted down by the world saying, we need some of that. We need to stand for what's right, which means we need to enter into the messiness, be willing to go in and say, hey, I'll turn the other cheek. Hey, I'll go first and say, please forgive me. I'll go first and say, you know, that's a point of view that I don't understand. Help me understand. We're not gonna lead with judgment, we're gonna lead with love. Martin Luther King Jr. said, I, if you wanna say I was a drum major, say I was a drum major for justice say I was a drum major for peace, I was a drum major for righteousness, and all the other shallow things will not matter. One of my favorite stories, told by Will Campbell, happened early 1960s during the Civil Rights Movement. They were having a sit-in. African Americans were doing a sit-in at a lunch encounter at Woolworths in downtown Nashville. Now, you may not remember this. This is when African Americans were not allowed to sit at a whites only lunch counter. You know, we look back now and say, how dumb was that? But they weren't. And so one of the strategies was a non-violent strategy to go in and have African-Americans open up, uh, occupy all the different stools and do a sit-in. It was peaceful, it was nonviolent, and they were doing it as a way of saying, we are people too. So they did this at Woolworths. There was a group of teenage boys who were white Came up behind this one African-American girl. Began to spit on her. Began to spit on her. Do you think it's right to spit on somebody for the color of their skin? And the boys were taunting this young African-American girl. You could feel the tension rise. A couple of the African-American boys who were there, they were about to get up and show those Teenage white boys not to talk to their sister that way. There was a woman in the store. She was from the South. She had a thick Southern accent. She was just shopping. She saw what was happening. She went up to that situation. She inserted herself into that situation. And she looked at those white teenage boys and said, now you boys just stop it. You stop it. You hear me? You just stop it. Anybody ever heard a white Southern mama say, Stop it? And she said, You boys ought to be ashamed of yourself. She hadn't done anything to hurt you. What would your mama say if they knew you were acting like this? Now you go on and get out of here. Now go on. You just get. And the boys started backing up. You don't want to mess with a Southern mama. And finally, they turned around and left the store. Let me ask you, see what you think. Do you think she was a peace lover? Peacekeeper? Peacemaker? I think she was just like Jesus. So let me leave you with these two thoughts. Do you have peace with God? If not, let Jesus bring peace to you. Maybe you know Jesus is Savior, but you don't have peace right now. Maybe you're overwhelmed and overloaded and you need peace. Well, ask him. Maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Well, you need to start that relationship today. Pray a prayer kind of like what I modeled for you that invites him to come into your life. Second question, are you a peacemaker? Can you be a peacemaker, a child of God, so that somebody looks at you and says, what a good God there must be to make a person like you who brings peace, who makes peace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are a good, good, good God. Give us an opportunity to share our story of how you have brought peace to our life. Give us opportunities to serve. And I have a hunch, Father, this week you're gonna call us to stand and to love people that are hard to love. You're gonna give us a chance to live in joy. You're gonna give us a chance to show people the way of peace. Help us recognize that opportunity and step into it and be like Jesus. And for anyone who doesn't know Jesus as Savior, I pray that today they would accept him as Savior and Lord. And I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. In just a moment, we're gonna stand and sing our last song and Then after this song is over, we'll do our last act of worship, which is receiving our offering at the doors. But during this song, can I just ask you to think about what we talked about? And think about the peace of God. And really ask yourself, am I at peace with God? And if you're not, how about coming to the next temper and let me pray with you. Let me just pray with you. I'd love to be able to talk with you about the peace of Jesus. Maybe you need to establish a relationship with him. I'd love to have that conversation with you as well. But maybe that's not where God's spoken to you today. Maybe God has really kind of pricked you and said, you're a peacemaker. But you need need to step into some of these situations. In fact, God may be saying, you know, I want you to get ready because... You're hearing this message today, and this week you're going to step into a situation. Hey, Alice Drive, thank you guys for watching this service, but don't stop here. Follow us on social media on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Also, if you've missed any of our sermons, you can check them all out on our website or YouTube page. It is because of you that we are able to help people take their next steps towards Jesus. And thank you all for being a giving church. God bless y'all, and we'll see you next week.